0: welcome to long distance listening a music podcast hello and welcome to long distance listening i'm andrew and i'm nate welcome to our sleep token episode where we will be talking about sleep tokens latest record Take me back to Eden. So, Nate, how are you doing? I'm doing
1: well. Just want to turn off the air conditioning so we don't have any excess noise and so I can uh, sweat my cojones off.
0: And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Um, I have one more question, and I think you'll be able to kind of get where I'm going. But, Nate, mm. what do these things have in common? And I'm gonna list a bunch of things. Okay? okay, what do Alter Bridge, Breaking Benjamin, Spirit Box, Falling Up, Ex Ambassadors, Laney, Chance the Rapper, Mute Math, Fit for a King, Holy Fawn, Evanescence, Justin Bieber, and Bastille have in common?
1: They're all
0: on one of your playlists. No, that that's that's smart. I have thought of each of these artists when listening to Sleep Token because Sleep Token is maybe one of the weirdest bands we have uh, done an episode on. Um, Yeah. They blend so many different styles um, into their sound. And so I would just like to do what I usually do which is just warn people. If you haven't listened to this Uh, album. If you have not listened to Take Me Back to Eden by Sleep Token, this is going to be kind of a weird conversation, I feel like, um, for you to just jump into. So I would suggest pausing the podcast, listening even to just like 30 seconds of each song um, because the whole album is over an hour long and would take you a very long time. But just listen to some of the album, get a feel for it, and then come back and you can pick up uh, Back here with us talking about the album. Um, but this is usually the part of the episode where I turn it back over to Nate. And I go, Nate, because you pick all the episodes we do, how did you hear about Sleep Token? But this is a special episode because... This was not actually one that Nate picked. This was one that I picked because I wanted to talk about it. So, Andrew, how did you hear about Sleep Token? <laughs> <laughs> Why, well, thank you for asking, Andrew. Um, I heard from my friend who also listens to the pod, so I, I have to give him a shout-out, Joey. I heard from my friend Joey. I walked in. Uh, we were hanging out one night, and I walk in, and he's like, Hey, Andrew, what do you think of the new Sleep Token song? And I'm like, The What? And he's like, the new Sleep Token song. I was like, those words don't make sense because it sounds like there's a new song, but I don't know who Sleep Token is. And he's like, you don't know who Sleep Token is? And he's like, well, you got to check him out. He told me a little bit about him. I went home that night, and I listened to Chokehold, um, which had just come out. And I responded to him. I was like, I think the song's really cool. I'm not positive that I like his voice. It's growing on me, but I wasn't positive I loved his voice right away. I was like, but the guitars and the overall song were really good. And then they released a few more singles. I listened as those singles were coming out and then released the full album. Obviously, I've listened to the full album and it gave me a lot of thoughts and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but... I've I've listened to this album a decent bit now, which I don't know how many times I've listened to it because it is a very long album. But if we count up the amount of minutes I've listened to this album, it's probably top five on the year for me, as far as most time listened to. Um You've and listened so to it twice. I've listened no. to it twice. <laughs> I know <laughs> I know. It it is a long album. For it only being twelve songs, it's not like an insane amount of songs, but uh, they do have a knack for for some longer tracks. Um, but yeah, then Nate was, again, if you don't know us well, Nate is in Boston. I live near Philly, and uh, Nate was in for my brother's wedding, and we were hanging out, and we were talking about the pod, and I was like, have you listened to Sleep Token? And I think you said just like a little bit, but you hadn't listened to much, and I was like, I kind of want to talk about it on the podcast with you. So I kind of forced Nate to listen, uh, more to sleep token. I don't know if Nate likes it or not, and it's fine if he doesn't, but I think I just want to talk about the album, um, more. And, uh, so Nate, do you mind now? I'm going to finally throw it back to you. Um, with that as kind of the groundwork, do you want to give some overall thoughts? Um, on the album maybe your first thoughts coming into it maybe your more flushed out thoughts I don't know where you want to take this but how about you talk sure. now? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah so I'll introduce how I uh, heard about it although I'm not going to give you enough information for it to be <laughs> helpful and then I'll ask Andrew a question before I share anything because okay. I'm more curious about something based off of what you said Ari. yes so I, through, like, metal or heavier rock artists that have come out, have, like, my YouTube algorithm has, like, um, a bunch of metal reactors yeah on it. Yes. um So, like, specifically, like, Silent Planet or Devil Wears Prada, when those would come out, just, like, I don't know, it's fun to see people reacting to metal stuff just due to the lack of predictability yeah. and how much bands can change styles and so people are like give just really interesting reactions i think um and so a reaction to sleep token was recommended Mm -hmm. to me that's how i knew they had come out with um a project and then i had remembered seeing their second album cover before i don't know when or where um and so i knew they were a thing but I didn't, like, as Andrew said, I didn't really, like, listen to them intentionally all that much. But my question for you, Andrew, is um, you said when you were first recommended, you listened, you were like, okay, I like the song. I'm kind of struggling to uh, love his voice at the moment, but, like, who knows? It can grow on me. How do we get from there to you wanting to do an episode on it? From a, like, listening process.
0: Yeah. Um, great question. And now I wish I remember all the ones that were, um, singles. I remember Chokehold, The Summoning, I think, Aqua, Regia, I think, and Vore. Might have even been granted. Like, there's a lot of those early ones. Um... And between chokehold and the summoning, well, really, we'll talk the summoning uh, here. It does something really weird there towards the end. It basically completely changes style to so this really jazzy, um, poppy I-, I don't I don't really know what to call, I mean, just this weird change at the very end. The beginning is it's not predictable, but it's it's heavy. Um, And then they did something really weird at the end. And I was like, oh, I've never heard this in metal. And then as they were releasing singles, I kept hearing stuff. I was like, wait, I've never heard this in metal. I've never heard this in metal. And I'm at the point now with listening that I'm like, they're not really metal. And one of the most interesting things to me is that my friends who love metal, like heavy metal, these aren't pop guys, really like Sleep Token. And then my friends that don't like metal like Sleep Token. And so there's this weird thing of usually when a band is is kind of in between styles, it's hard for them to get adoption from both styles that are in between. And they're in between a lot of styles. And it seems like they're getting universally accepted with people who like those styles. And I'm trying to, like, still tiptoe around because I want you to talk more before I give, like, really flushed out. I just, I just mean more, here. like,
1: when was the point when you were like, oh, shoot, I like this?
0: The point of liking it was probably after after the full album came out. I think the singles I was really digging. I was like, this is good. But it was after listening through the album, probably the first full time, that it was like, this is the most unique album I've heard. And I wasn't sure it would fit the podcast because they have, like, two and a half million monthly listeners. They're big. They're They're really big big for us. And so we kind of—the whole point of the podcast is talking about underrated music. But I think that there's interesting conversations we can have. I'm almost viewing this as we're going to talk Sleep Token, but we're also going to talk, like, we can— generalize a little bit we can talk about metal as a genre we can talk about pop as a genre we can talk about just genre things even more so we can see where this conversation goes but that was kind of my thought is like let's just have a genre conversation based around sleep token um yeah yeah
1: and in terms of you talking about um them kind of doing things you have never heard before in the heavier music world of rock. I think so. I have a label for them now. Not everybody's going to like the label. Some Mm -hmm. people it's probably going to like click. Oh yeah, that's what they are. Some people are going to think I'm stupid, but this was the label that I feel like I adopted for them. So, you know, stadium rock. Yep. Where it's like, Hey, These are songs that you play to big audiences and uh, they're sing along anthems, Mm -hmm. or they have this like crazy guitar solo that gets everybody pumped up, like big crowds. That's not like a genre, really. Like stadium rock isn't a genre, but it also helps categorize. Yes. My same non genre categorization for them is their theater rock. Mm. And what I mean by that is they're very dramatic, yeah, very all over the place. Very, yep. I, I would say, again, I'm using the word, but very theatrical. Yep. Like he'll do things with his voice for absolutely no reason <laughs> whatsoever, yep. except to be extra. Yeah. And it's like, they just have a flair to them. And that's, yeah, like a little bit extra, a little bit, um, Uh, vibrant Mm -hmm. that's not always heavy like even if it's a heavier some sections have are like really dense but they do not feel like you're listening to a like you said a metal band or anything and I think that's one reason why they have so much appeal to heavier listeners and non heavier um, is because of that wide range Um, in terms of more specific talking about the album. I figure you've already brought up the vocals yeah. and I just kind of brought them up too. Yeah. I think, um, from a capability standpoint, well, yeah. first off, do you know if it's just one guy? It is it he is. doing, okay. Yeah. So from, a i cause my point was going to sound really stupid if it wasn't, <laughs> yes. um, he's, he's very versatile. Yeah. And he can do a lot of different things. Yes. And I think his talent level is really high yep. where it's like, I think his screams sound good. Mm-hmm. I think he has a great singing voice. Yep. Um, and I think that's one of the keys to them being able to pull off this theater rock mm-hmm. genre yep. sort of style because he's able to move with whatever they want to do instrumentally. Yep. Um, so yeah, let kind of my thoughts on him yep. as a vocalist.
0: Yep. Yeah. I, so what's interesting is I feel like people would hate me for saying that I don't like his or didn't like his voice right away. Cause I feel like he has one of those voices that like, the more you listen to it, you just, you like it. And so I really do like his voice now. It is so unique. It's, it's interesting because he reminded me of like two singers meshed together and it was Bastille and Breaking Benjamin. It was kind of like those really deep, but like because you can have the rock parts of Breaking Benjamin and kind of have the Bastille sound. An interesting thing, I wasn't sure where to bring this up, but I think I think it's interesting is um, that no one 100 percent knows who any of these people are in Sleep Token. Um, Mm. they are one of those bands. They're like, um, I don't know. There's plenty of electronic people that do this. Yeah. But, like Daft Punk, Marshmallow. Yes. Um, and so there's theories out there. I did a little just like Google to see who people thought. So the lead singer, I guess, goes by the name Vessel. So we could call him Vessel, but we can't actually use a real name because no one knows Vessel's real name. Um, the one thing that I guess everyone somehow knows, and it makes sense if you hear vocals enough, but they are from UK, so you can yeah. tell it's not an American vocalist. Uh, there's definitely an accent there. Um, but the I guess the the interesting, they all wear obviously these big get-ups and stuff on stage and like charcoal paint like all over their bodies that help no one be able to be like, oh, he's got that, like, mole there, or birthmark there or something to identify them. And also, it totally fits their style and looks. It's basically just picture a band of ring-wraiths, if you know Lord of the rings. And that's mm. that's a the best example I can give as far as kind of what they look like. Um, but um, some of the theories are that this is also a band of members of other bigger bands that it's kind of a side Mm. project-y thing. Um, I don't know that with how unique Vessel's voice is, I don't know that he could front another successful bigger band. That's, that's That's my one thought, which is there is a chance that Vessel, for how good of a vocalist he is, could be a drummer, a guitarist, a bassist, of another successful again because no one knows for sure so if you think i'm an idiot for saying that trust me i read everything people think they know (laughs) but then if you look at all the people who think they know they're all saying a different person there was one name (laughs) i saw like two or three times i was like okay maybe that's the guy but the one article i found funny they're like we've confirmed that it's not the lead singer of bastille (laughs) <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. They're like, but like a lot of people get that right away. They do sound similar. um, But I think you're right. He is very versatile. He, is, his screams, his big, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned stadium rock. He has these big anthem type, like, vocals at times where he's just belting something out with like a very smooth, clean melody. And then there's weird like overproduced vocals like uh do you wish that you love me that d-y-w-t-y-l-m um Mm -hmm. even aqua regia um there's some like almost overproduction on some of the vocals um in i think ascensionism there's some auto tune so like they do a lot with the vocals to also from a production standpoint make them fit all the different styles they're kind of going in and out of, but, um, I am at the point now. I love his vocals. I think they're really good. Um, so I take back not liking them right away. Um, okay. Did you want to talk any more about that? The anonymity that the band has, um, or the vocals? I,
1: I, I, Knew I didn't know who they were, yeah. but I didn't know because it, they were anonymous. Yeah, which <laughs> so that's kind of cool. I mean, I was gonna I'm say, kind of intrigued. I'm gonna look up live videos and yes. like concerts. Yeah. after this, I've so.
0: definitely done that already. Like again, this is like started like just it gets my wheels turning enough that it's like, oh, I want to look these things up, and it's fun to see them live. They're kind of just doing weird stuff. Um, one of yeah. the I, sorry. One of the reactions I saw, I, and I think it's worth shouting out because I think it's funny, is um, Alex Terrible. He's the lead singer of uh, Slaughter to Prevail, who's like this big metal band. I think they're from Russia. I know he's definitely Russian. And he did a reaction video to one of their songs. And he, was, he did a reaction to The Summoning. And he was kind of weirdly like, I love this and also I hate this. It was like a really weird um, reaction. But he his big take was he loves the vocals, and he was so surprised at their style because he's like, I hadn't heard anything. He's like, all my friends who only love heavy metal were telling him, oh, you should check out Sleep Token. And he only did this like a month ago, and this record's been out for, I think, more than a month. I think probably close to two months now. And songs have been out for a while from this. And so... Him kind of being late to the party and not knowing they're not, like, strict metal, he mm. he didn't—yeah, he seemed very confused. But then there's some breakdowns in there, and he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, this is a good breakdown. Like, he really liked it. So I thought that was an interesting perspective and an interesting guy uh, to, I don't know, have a reaction from there. But go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no,
1: that's fine. I totally forget what I was going to say. I think moving on to... uh, No, you're good. Moving on to instruments, um, I would say just right off the bat, the thing that I notice the most are just um, the dynamics in terms of really loud and then really soft and then really loud and then really atmospheric and then really straightforward I think they do it. I'm literally just going to repeat myself about the vocals because I think the vocals and the music work obviously in unison here where it's just like they do a million different things. Um, And it's really, I would say was a difficult record for me to predict Mm -hmm. to within those dynamics. So like, think sometimes so like you got up holy fawn yeah. as one of your yep. comps and like i i actually i've put very little time in thinking about comps yeah for sleep token because yep. i've listened to it way less than you yeah. probably but the one comp that i did think of was in different sections mm-hmm. um i thought of holy fawn because yep. specifically the high screams yes. um just, like, sounds so much like yep. Holy Fawn. I
0: think Vore. Um, like, if you listen to the beginning yeah. of Vore, that's, like, a very... That's a
1: song I was thinking of. Yeah. yep,
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: No, you're spot... We we're both on the same yep. wavelength yeah. there. Um, but, like... Yeah, it's just, like... you with, with Holy Fawn, mm-hmm. for the most part, despite them having crazy dynamics as well, I don't find myself... Being like shocked. Yes. Where I feel like this record, you'll listen, you'll be like, oh, wow, I did not expect that. I did not expect that. I I was not expecting that. I think a good example of that is the title track. Yeah. Where it's a, I mean, to be fair, it's eight minutes long. So they have a lot of time to do a lot of different things. But it's like, I don't know how many different times during that song alone i'm like oh i wasn't expecting that i wasn't expecting that wasn't expecting that um and so they just do a ton of different stuff even within tracks it's not just the album's different like oh this song's different than this song that's different than this song it's like some songs have like five or six different sections that are completely different and it's just yeah
0: yep yep i i think one of the styles that doesn't kinda get mentioned as much is I feel like they have a lot of prog influence um mm. in just their song structure and and the way they flow in and out of like sections are bonkers. It's not like they're verse chorus, verse chorus, bridge chorus. Like uh, there isn't a single song. I don't song think like they're that. yeah, even their like most straightforward song I don't think has that structure. Um there's songs like the summoning where after i think it's after kind of the first chorus it just goes into a guitar solo part when you're expecting them to go back to another section and that's weird and then yes the longer songs all are probably the most versatile of any of the tracks like it seems like when they when they lengthen a song it's so they can do a bunch of weird stuff in it not just yeah. because they're like oh we want to sit in this Part for an extra minute or two, which does happen. No. I think the summoning <laughs> they sit a little longer in the one section um, before they go into kind of that weird um, ending. Exactly, but like it's, if they do sit, it's only
1: because they're going to change it so- soon after. Yes.
0: yes. <laughs> um, the one and I, I want to give credit to who I heard this from because it's not my thought, but it's made me think a lot. Um, is I heard. An album review uh, from this guy on YouTube, Nick Nocturnal, who does a lot of uh, reviews. I know, he's one of the YouTubers. He's the guy. Yep, yep. Um, So, one of the things he mentioned, as far as this album goes, that I think is very interesting and I think he's spot on with, is, so they're just, they're not as heavy as most metal people would listen to. They probably have, in the 12 songs, there's probably... If we're talking heavy sections, and this might only be 15 seconds to 30 seconds of heavy, there's probably only 20 heavy sections in those 12 songs. Probably. Like, it's it's not in every track, and in the longer tracks, they probably have one or two heavy sections. Um, besides that, your heavy songs are Vor. Chokehold, I'd still probably count as heavy, um, but yeah. Then like the summoning, ascensionism, and take me back to Eden uh, have their heavy moments, but they're the most versatile and out there tracks. Um, but a lot of the tracks are actually pretty soft, and like you get R and B, you get rap, you get um, jazz, you get a lot of pop. Um, Do you wish that you love me is basically just that's probably their most straightforward track, and it's just pop. Um, the whole time, and so you get all these different styles, but the one thing that Nick mentioned about soft songs in the metal genre is it always feels like the band sits down, and they're like, well, we can't have 10 or 12 incredibly heavy tracks. We need something softer. Let's write a soft track. And then the track that they end up writing is just not good because they went in with the intention of this has to be our soft song, but they're not naturally gifted at writing a soft song. They're a metal band. And he feels like the metal community has been robbed of good, softer music that when a metal artist goes soft again, they're not playing to their strength and they kind of phone it in just as like, hey, this has to be a radio track and it's gonna help us um, be more popular because we show that we're more versatile but they're not good at doing it. And Nick's thought with sleep token, which I very much agree with is it seems like they come into each track and while they're writing each track and they think less about is this a soft track, is this a hard track? And they just start going with a vibe, a feel and they they just kind of run with it and if it's soft, that's fine. If it's heavy, that's fine. If it's a mixture, that's fine. They're not actually worried about pigeonholing themselves into a genre. They just go with what feels right, and they write there, and that creates this journey of just, I mean, they're all over the place. But they're doing everything super well because they're not starting out right away like, hey, this has to be this, and anything outside of that is not cool and, and they kind of, yeah, limit themselves there. So I very much agree. I think that's one of Sleep Token's strength is that they're able to sound like all these different bands and maybe influences, and they don't hold hold back. They just kind of go for it. And if it's a straight-up pop track or if it's Vore, like a really heavy track, they can do both styles. They can do all these styles well because of maybe who they're influenced by. Maybe it's just how good of musicians they are, but I think more than anything, they're just not limiting themselves.
1: Well, yeah, and it's interesting where certain genres are defined by the soft or the heavy. Mm -hmm. So, like, you have, like, when Mumford & Sons created their third record and all of a sudden introduced electric guitars it was like earth shattering because it's like oh you're not allowed to do that yeah because it's 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 we're playing soft acoustic folk or like metal heavier music it's like hey like you said it's like we'll do one piano ballad that's a throwaway track just as like a palate cleanser yeah but you can't be soft and I think, I don't know what the answer is in terms of how genres should be viewed, but I think sometimes when artists are making music, they try and make something, they try and make stuff that fits a genre, which is Mm -hmm. exactly what you're saying with Sleep Token versus just trying to make music. And genres are a way we understand what's being made, but they're not what's driving anything. Yeah. And so, I mean, I definitely feel that about Sleep Token. They, they, I mean, if they did, if they were defined by genre, it's because they put a hundred genres in a hat and were like, "All right, what's this next section gonna be?" Yeah. Well, okay, let's do this. I guess because 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 there's no, I don't know. It's too, it's just too many decisions, mm-hmm. <laughs> too many genre decisions to make intentionally. I feel like you you just have to with this album they must have it had to be natural yep. and like hey what do we feel here oh i like that sound oh i like that feeling oh whatever versus oh let's do a ju- different genre here
0: yeah yeah about the only other metal band that i thought of as a comp not because i think they sound anything like them but i, I do think of bring me the horizon a little bit just in the sense bring me the horizon from their first album to their latest stuff they're vastly different band, but I think they've never put out bad music. Like some songs are better than others probably, but for the most part they can change up styles and somehow they're able to do soft and heavy and punk and like like just like weird style choices, but it's really good all the time. Like the quality is always high where there's some of my favorite metal bands have done a, a song or a rock record where it's less heavy and it's just kind of rock. And I don't dislike rock, but a metal band doing rock, sometimes they lose everything that makes them unique. And it, it's just bland rock. And it's like, well, if I wanted to listen to rock, there's 50 rock bands that I like way better than what your version of rock is. And so I think it is hard for bands to change up styles unless it's either part of their DNA or it's really like they're just, I don't know, they have to be extra talented to do it or they just have to be way more intentional with it.
1: Yeah. I think you bring up a great point about, like, if Sleep Token, for instance, Mm -hmm. made a a stereotypical metal record. Mm -hmm. I bet you it could be a better record than this one and get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Much easier for sure than doing what they did. Yes. Yes. And I think it's, it's like, but they also, there's enough there where those who do like metal are like, Oh, this is like the jump isn't a hard jump. Yes. Because like country isn't metal either, and yet you don't have these metal heads like all of a sudden jumping to listen to the newest country record because yeah. there's, not, there's not enough similarities. And I think the fact that they kept some really heavy parts, the fact that the, I would say the lyrics are honestly the most, <laughs> of everything the band's doing, the lyrics are the most consistently metal thing. Um, but like lyrical content is close enough to the rest of metal. Yep. Um, and then the instruments used are still close, like what most metal artists are using. Yep. But they just mix it up so much. And I think this is a good time to transition to I production. So. Um, I th- I think also what the record has going for it is that it just sounds very clean like remove the performances remove the songs the style whatever i just think you listen to it Mm -hmm. and everything sounds really well recorded really well produced um and that for for heavier music Getting something that's still, I don't want to say light on the ears, but like smooth-ish yeah. to listen to because of the the quality of the recordings and stuff, I think that also gives it a leg up,
0: um, yes. just how well it's produced. Yes, I think as with any artist we've talked about that that does either stylistic changes, time changes, something pretty major in a track that you don't expect. I think production of how you do it is so important because especially if you're going to change styles basically completely, how do you get from one section to the next? You can do it musically, but if the production isn't equally like if it's if all your rock parts are just really dirty, gritty, raw, and then you go into this poppier part and it's really clean, it doesn't work super well. So I think that the record needed to make a decision is this a clean record is this a yeah. dirty record as exactly. just an overarching <laughs> thing and they definitely chose clean and I think that's the right choice because I feel like yeah. there's something about pop that like dirty pop doesn't work like it's got to be pretty crisp clean like things that hit at least for me like yeah. if I if I want something poppy I want it like I want it to kind of hit me in the face type of pop like really really poppy you're um, a glitter boy with your I am with yeah. your type of pop. Gonna, yeah, exactly. Um
1: but and I mean, so no, that's I a think right, that's
0: the but, right choice.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's like def, I mean it's definitely an uh, important decision they made and mm-hmm. all artists make, but like you said, when you're introducing pop, uh yeah, what style do you what feeling do you want? Mm-hmm. And I think I think it would be interesting to hear the record if they did take the other approach. Yeah, it would. Do. I don't know. I don't know if I'd like it as much, yeah. if I'd like it more, yep. if I'd like it less. Yeah. Um. But I think they went and I. this sounds like a slight. It's not a slight. Mm-hmm. I think they went the safe route. Yeah. It's a very just like solid, safe. Yep. Decision and I think the production really paid off.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's very well produced. If not over produced, it's probably leaning that direction. But for me and what I feel like I like in this style, especially if it gets heavy, like I don't know, that's, that's kind of what I want. Or I want the opposite, which is like Holy Fawn, which is where like. Beginning of War is probably the best example we would have of any part on this record of, like, what would it sound if it's dirty? Because that's probably the dirtiest sound, and it's mostly just because of how buried his screams are and how yeah. almost impossible it is to understand what he's actually screaming there. Where some of his other screams are very clear. Um, he also, like, I don't know. it's So, weird. he like, we're talking screams a little bit here, but, like, he barely screams on the record. Like, that's not... That's what's so interesting is I feel like if you're a metalhead and you heard about this record from all your metal friends like there's barely any screaming there's much more heavy guitars on the album than there are moments where it's matched with screaming
1: oh totally well you know what's funny Andrew i so I the first time I listened to it when I was reflecting back thinking about the record mm-hmm I was like, what is the title track? Like the only, like at the end of the title track, like, Mm -hmm. is that the only heavy section on the album? Yes. (laughs) I'm like, is that the only time where he like screams really heavily? And like, it's like really intense. And then like listening back, I'm like, no, there's like plenty of other sections like that. But you, you don't like listening through, you don't get, that overwhelming feeling of
0: those sections.
1: They're there, but they're not like the overall atmosphere that sticks with you or the thing that sticks with you.
0: Well, if, I mean, the record is an hour, I should just get this right. It's an hour and four minutes. And so 64 minutes, I would say, if we just combined all the heavy parts, you're probably looking at 15, 20 minutes of like actual heavy parts. Like it's probably only like a third of the record. Even and then mass. how
1: much of that screaming and how much of that yes. like a break break heavy
0: versus yes. yes just heavy yeah all right Nate any other thoughts on this album before we move on to favorite track
1: uh the only thing else I'll, I'll say is uh i'm like i've been having the track listing up um, on uh, genius and there's this comment that says where's the track listing from and it's like the album, you idiot. <laughs> but it was it was made seven months ago, so
0: uh, they pr- somebody probably
1: had early access to yeah. the the track list. Um, yeah. Uh, do you want to do you want to go on a favorite song?
0: Yeah, I think that sounds good to me. Do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, I think should I give you a hint for mine or
0: no? Sure, and I think it might be helpful that I give you a hint since my favorite has changed quite a bit and might be hard to guess.
1: Okay. I th- well that's that's exactly why I think the hints are interesting.
0: Yeah. Because
1: this is my hint. I think I need a hint from you to get to guess it. Uh-huh. I think y- you don't need a hint from me Ooh, to guess interesting. it. Interesting. And that's my hint.
0: Okay. Well, let me see. There's a kind of two different well, if,
1: if I tell you what's the most basically my What's the most Nathan of these songs based off of what we've talked about Mm. already, or I don't want to give away too much.
0: Oh, that's fine. Yeah, what I was trying to kind of get at, I think there's two different types of tracks. There's kind of your straightforward tracks, and then there's your long kind of epic tracks where they do a bunch of different stuff. But I feel like right away those big tracks – which I feel like are some of the, like, maybe more impressive ones, they don't actually, they're, like, a bit too much right away. So then I kind of want to guess just a simple track, but I don't know, like, did you go Poppy? Did you go Rock? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. I guess I just need to guess. All right. I'll go with what I think makes sense for, like, a first-time listener. Favorite track, and I have no confidence. But is it Chokehold? Okay. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) No, it's
1: not. It's it it's uh it's Vor. Oh duh. We had talked about Holy Fawn, so I was hoping you were like
0: Yeah. Yeah, I should have I should have seen that. Honestly, when I was looking at the track list, somehow I just scrolled right past Vor. I didn't think, but yeah, it's the one that you mentioned and the Holy Fawn kind of comparison I really should have guessed for.
1: Yeah. For me it's the song that I think its mission, its purpose makes the most sense to me and it accomplishes that mission or purpose the best in my opinion of all the tracks. So that's that's kind of why I like it. And the stylistically like I think I I like that style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as well.
0: Yeah, it's a great track. Obviously, great choice. And somehow I just missed it and should have guessed it. But um, let me give you my hint. Okay. And my hint is, I think, yeah. So with those two different types of tracks, I picked kind of the second type of track, which is that epic track, that, those big tracks. All
1: right. And you said that was the summoning Ascensionism and Take Me Back to Eden? Yep. I'll say the summoning
0: great choice the summoning was probably my second kind of round of listening to this my second um, favorite track it's kind of I went from Chokehold being my favorite to the summoning to take me back to Eden and just recently I started listening to Ascensionism a little closer and that's my favorite track now I think it is such a obviously it's epic it kind of starts out softer, kind of ambient soft, then goes into, like, really kind of trap-type beat uh, soft. And then by the end, there's those huge guitars, his, like, vocals just shouting at the top of his lungs. And I I think, honestly, those guitars, even though there's no screaming in this track, those guitars are some of the most brutal-sounding guitars on the album. And I just, by the end where it's kind of this big, epic uh, part. I think it's the coolest part of the whole album. I don't know. It's so good, and I feel like it was underrated for me the first few listens, and now it's making up for it by being my current favorite track. So, um, yeah, Ascensionism's my favorite. But, yeah, I think between Vore and Ascensionism, obviously, you can't go wrong. Both of those tracks are amazing, and... Um, they're probably not two of the most popular on this, even though Vore's probably a little bit more, but um, it just shows that this album is very versatile, and we both went with, I guess, kind of heavier tracks on the grand scheme of the album, but um, I'm sure that there are plenty of people listening who um, differ and have a different favorite tracks. So if you're one of those people, please let us know what your favorite track is on this album. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at LDLpod. And you can also email us at listening at gmail.com. Also, if you wouldn't mind just hitting subscribe and liking the podcast, reviewing the podcast, all that stuff goes a long way to helping us be able to do what we do here. And we really do appreciate your support and uh, you're just taking the time to listen to us. So uh, reach out, talk to us. We love uh, communicating with Uh, People who are listening to the show, let us know your favorite track. If you like this album, if you don't like this album, uh, all that fun stuff. And uh, have a great rest of your day.
1: Sweden.